right. This is just me going back a few years. Uh, junk miles lore. Is that the shirt you got at a uh, yard sale of a dead man? Uh, an estate sale of a dead man. Yes, it is. Sorry, sorry. Yes. Estate sale. Yes. I didn't mean to. It's be, it's belittle this. It's the my shirt. most it's my most James Con shirt that I could. Oh, that's a great idea. I didn't even yeah. think I should have. We should have dressed up as our favorite. The thing is, like, no matter how hard you can never even not anyone could come close to capturing the coolness of James Con in no. in the seventies, eighties, just in general. No. I attempted and failed. I would like if I had a nice, uh, you know, he wore a leather jacket, leather raincoat. Like that, there's one scene where they're like, uh, he's like, yeah, I'll meet you in five minutes. I'll be wearing a leather raincoat. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it's gray for gray, some reason. Gray leather. My dad, there used to be a store called Two Guys. And it was like precursor to like Kmart and all those stores. But it was just like, it had really good stuff and really cheap stuff. I remember we went there on a Saturday to get some 45s records. Yeah. My dad took us and while we were there, he's just like wandering around. He came back. He's like, hey, look, I got a leather coat for six bucks. Oh my God. Chip, it was pleather. Of course. But it looked like it was leather. It was Carmel brown, like a nice and my dad wore it for like five years and he looked great in it. No one would ever know it was a six dollar uh pleather, yeah. pleather yeah. jacket. Chip, we got a uh, pretty exciting show. I don't want to give too much away. Our no. guest will be on soon, but this is a this is a guest I'm very excited to have. And I have to say, he really brought it when we said, "Hit us with a movie that was important to you." So let's just give people the background, Chip. Our show, yeah. what we do now is, and it's been going great. We've been doing it for over a year now. This new type of show we do, we get a guest on to tell us about a movie that was important to them when they were young whether they were a kid, a teen, a movie that affected them and kind of changed them for the better and made them the awesome human being they are today. Is that a succinct way of saying it? Not succinct. I think that's, that, that's a great way. Do you happen to have in front of you at on hand a list of the movies we've done? Like I can rattle some of them off. Rad, UHF, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Girls yeah. Just Want to Have Fun. Yeah, let's because I know whenever we have a guest on, one of the things we say is, you know, and a lot of the guests hit us up with, hey, we'd like to talk about the never-ending story. We'd like yes. to talk about Captain Ron, mm -hmm. Harry and the Hendersons, yeah, Short Circuit, sure, A Christmas Story, Big Trouble in Little China, mm -hmm. Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Spaceballs, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, UHF, and these are like Lost Boys, oh my God, with Kendra Alvey. Girls just want to have fun with Santa, Moses, Mike. And these movies, the thing they all have in common, they, they make you happy and bring you back to a happy time. Almost, almost all of them I would consider to be a fun romp. Yes, romp is the word. Yeah, we, 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 we have this, this. We should rebrand this as romp miles because that's really oh. what we're. We what should. We're, we're Maybe peddling in romps. Yeah, we probably do need to retitle the name of our podcast because junk miles doesn't mean a lot to uh, people who like movies and nostalgia. I've written some scripts before. I've never really sold. I've never sold a movie, but maybe that's maybe that's my goal. Maybe I should just tomorrow morning just open my computer, final draft, just start typing, and just I'm gonna write a romp. I'm not gonna write a film. I'm not gonna just write a, a movie. romp. Straight I'm up write romp. A fun romp. And you got to make sure you stick to the romp guidelines. You don't want to go like veer into rom-com. You don't want to veer into slapstick. 
you want to just stay in the romp lane. Um, 97 minutes long, at yep. least one person wearing a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> uh, fun soundtrack with a lot of snare drum. Yep. Everyone who had an important part of the movie is there at the ending. At the very end in the last scene. Yeah. It's, yeah, there is, uh, there's probably some confusion or mistaken identity at some point. Sure. Yeah. No, no harrowing deaths, no deaths of parents, nope. no child endangered. Mm -mm. There's yeah. a lot of rules. We, I could picture this book a year from now. It's being like the rule, like your, your, let's say your romp becomes super successful. Right. A year later, it's like rules for writing a romp by Chip Chantry. Mm -hmm. Romp rules. Romp. <laughs> Didn't MTV have a show called Romp Rules? Uh, it was, it was, yeah, it was the, uh, I believe it was uh, the real world romp rules challenge. Real that world was my favorite iteration of it. Wasn't as exciting with like challenges and stuff. It was a lot of like bros on, uh, you know, script software, just typing away. Yeah. They're like, what? Yeah. They're like, what should Tristan say now? <laughs> out of the out of the Winnebago what should what should Tristan yeah. yell out of the Winnebago my joke would have been better if I could have remembered the, the main script software everyone uses when I'm just what did you say did you say final draft I, yeah I, I didn't I should have said final draft I just said oh, script, script software <laughs> we got it we got yeah. it that's I know that's why but, it's a fun romp it does you know a professional joke writer writer like yourself you would have oh. just in your mind say come on Jeff final draft specificity sometimes specificity is important jeffrey it is but i was just i was just telling a story for the common man mm -hmm. right if i said final draft they'd be like whoa whoa hey tech whoa. guy yeah oh is Come this on. called is this called inside baseball with chip and jeff now i'm very excited for your new project the uh the romp romp rules <laughs> romp rules romper romp romper room room for romp yeah room yeah, I mean, we could definitely just throw up a bunch of different titles and choose yeah. one, but that, I don't think we want to, we don't want to go with the full word romper. No. Because romper room, that was his own thing. Yeah. Bunch of little kids romping around. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Similar to Zoom. Zoom was a show, right? Yes. Uh, I think Boston, Boston based. Yeah, Boston based mm -hmm. show. Kids wearing striped shirts. Okay. That's like Zoom was on the channel PBS where it was like, kind of fun to watch mm -hmm. but you'd rather be watching the other channels you're like oh but they're making me learn something <laughs> I, i'm learning this isn't the great space coaster yeah it's, it's, really, it's not the far out space nuts no. this is like zoom the electric company oh, electric company seems cool they have spider-man oh now he's teaching about consonants yeah stop yeah, it i just like... I, I just want to see laverne and shirley <laughs> sweeping something up in the army <laughs> Do you remember, wasn't that a cartoon where Laverne and Shirley were just in the army, but they would they were just always sweeping stuff up? I feel like that was the whole. I think every gist. show in the 70s, late 70s, early 80s that had an iota of success was was immediately made into a cartoon. Yes. And we'd have to defer to the uh, professionals at Saturday Morning Cartoons where they dig up all of these, everything from like Fonzie and the gang every cartoon they did a sh based on a show they added like an element of like a it's a dog who talks mm -hmm. it's a robotic bird from another planet yep. like there's always something super odd they had to add to it because yeah like yeah a, a flying panda yeah it was, yeah it was always something yeah and they always there was always some sort of vehicle yep that they were in right like they all got into the like the the Fonzmobile or something like that Right, right. I think that's smart because kids inherently wouldn't be like, oh, I want to watch a show 
about some greaser who lives above a family from the 50s. Like kids aren't like immediately taken to that. They say Mm -hmm. there's a little space bird and he has a car that can fly, then maybe, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would would watch that. See, look at that right there. There There is the Laverne and Shirley cartoon. (laughs) They're in the army and she's literally holding a mop. Oh my God. If let me do screen share chip, see if I can do screen share. Is it Sharon? Yes. Laverne and Shirley in the army. Two years after we last saw Laverne and Shirley, they are reunited when they as well. Oh, Lenny and Squiggy. Oh, good. It. Thank you. They got drafted into Jesus. A possible war. A possible war. <laughs> this is this is harrowing, I will say. That's that's I had no idea. Oh my God, Chip, we have someone. Come someone Coming knocking on the door. Yeah, let me uh enough of this talk. Oh, yeah, enough. Uh, well, I think we can get back to Laverne and Shirley. I yeah, Laverne and Shirley cartoon. Let me do yes. chess. We're gonna admit our guest right here. Very excited. Look like uh connecting to the audio. That's always it's also exciting when they connect to the video, they do it all. Everything like one of my favorite parts of the of an episode, Chip. Oh my Hi. goodness. Yes. Hi there. How are you guys? Andy, how hey, Andy. are you, buddy? I'm good, I'm good. Let me get that out of the way so you can see my pretty face. Yeah, we want the whole um, picture, Andy. We want yeah, the whole. You Andy will, you experience. will. How y'all doing? Good. Can Good. I just can I tell you we were just discussing 1981 Laverne and Shirley in the Army cartoon. Did you know that existed? What do you, a, a cartoon like a Saturday morning cartoon? It right. was for children. It wow. was for children. Here's the. Wow, uh, no, I did not. Two years after uh, we last saw Laverne and Shirley, they are reunited when they, as well as Lenny and Squiggy, get drafted into the United States Army to prepare for a possible war. What kid wouldn't love that? <laughs> a possible war. A possible Uh-oh. war. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. and Sue. Wow, that's crazy. They're, they're, that has to have coincided with Private Benjamin. Oh you my know god, what I mean? you know what? Think of that. You know? I think that's because yeah. it's right around that time, and they were always yeah. I remember I, I was pretty young, but I remember watching that, and it was just Shirley mopping things. That's all she she just mopped the barracks. <laughs> for, I'm, I'm just gonna guess <laughs> Lenny and Squiggy minutes. were in the mess hall peeling potatoes. I'm just yeah, I feel that yep. yeah. Yeah, and and falling into big pots of chili and stuff. And right. there's probably a very, very angry sergeant who really had it up to here with all four of them yes yep that was uh 14 episodes only guys that cartoon didn't last that long so only 14 all right okay. <laughs> Andy, i guess they, I guess oh, they didn't okay. go to war is what i'm yeah oh no actually the last episode there, there was a war they all died yeah it's oh they just, all died in, combat. <laughs> yeah. died in combat everyone died yeah everyone died but for the some reason that for some reason the big rat goo was on the other side <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. What? Squiggy in the nuclear winter. <laughs> and yet we, we have not given you the proper junk miles introduction. It's something we like to do to all our guests, just in case people, uh, people need to know who we're talking to. Ladies and gentlemen, junk miles is extremely excited to welcome actor, writer, comedian, and host of the blood podcast. The three questions with Andy Richter, ladies and gentlemen, it's Andy Richter, Andy Richter. Yay. Yay. Hi, everyone. Andy, Andy. I, I insist I insist that you say the three questions with Andy Richter. Andy Richter. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to make sure you get my. Why do I want to make sure people don't think we got your producer, you know, some schlub. We got Andy no, no, Richter no. of. Right, right. No. That's actually there the was, tattoo uh, that I have on my shoulder right now. It says <laughs> three questions with Andy Richter. Andy Richter. 
There was once uh, uh, a member of uh, the late night band took a photo of uh, Max Weinberg back in the 90s when he was on some like daytime show, like maybe Donahue or something. But there was it was a picture of him. And then there was a Chiron underneath him that said Max Weinberg of Max Weinberg and the Max Weinberg seven. <laughs> like he ins- at which he had to have insisted. Like you have to have my name on there on a screen three times in a three lower. Times. It's a, it doesn't even it's beyond a lower third at that point. It's a lower half. It really know, is. It's up to his chin. Yes. Yes. He, it's I guess, you know, like rock stars have their riders. That's what he had. That was part of his Absolutely. thing. It's like if you introduce Absolutely. me. This is what I need. Oh, Andy, I, I think I, that's called the Candyman clause, by the way. You have to say his name three times. <laughs> Whoa. And he right. And then he appears. Yeah. Right. Oh, Andy, I forgot. You asked me to mention, uh, ladies and gentlemen, he wears $150 slacks. He wears silk shirts. <laughs> he wears $800 suits. He wears a gold watch and he wears a perfect D flawless three carat ring. Ladies and gentlemen, Paul, Andrew, Andy Richter. Yes. <sighs> I knew yes, I forgot something. A- that's a line from the movie that we are about to discuss. Oh, yes. Tell you, holy crap. Chip and I have been, I'd say, coasting on last 10 movies we discussed with our awesome guests. Feel good movies. Chip, what do you call them? Romps? Romps. Yeah. A lot of romps. We've a lot yeah. of romps. Yeah, yeah. A lot of good feelings, Bon Homi, between us and our guests. It's just a lot of fun. And then, Andy, you came in. So By the way, hot. Jeff, let's just yeah. say that these movies were all precious little diamonds in a safe. Wow. <laughs> yes. Whoa. And then James Kahn comes along. Holy crap. Andy, you really blew this up because this movie, Good Lord, is intense. Yeah. It's a when people talk about updated noir mm-hmm. and then they have people in fucking fedoras, it's like, <laughs> no, you don't get it. Like this is updated noir and it is all it's there's it's just it's such a good movie. And it just it's also a good movie that was very influential on me at a time in my and when I was young, it made it truly made me think I can be in show business for a living because so much of it was familiar because it was shot in Chicago. And, you know, the the accents, just those those (laughs) fucking great accents, the way they talk is so great. And it holds up just in terms of minimalist and naturalistic. Like it's it, it's it's essential. I mean, this guy, this is a character who is a it's he's a thief. Everything he has, he steals. And including, I mean, as a you know, one of the major plot points, including a wife and baby. He doesn't know how to earn anything. <laughs> yeah. So he just uh, it steals things. He just acquires them through some sort of chicanery. And like I say, it's so minimal. And it's and usually those kind of things, they don't have character. I kind of feel alienated by the fact that it's, you know, that you're just being that you're just sticking to some sort of absence of so many of the other things that populate a movie screen that make you feel part of this world. Whereas this one, it's very simple, but it's so full of detail. It's so full of believable reality that it, it just it's it's just fantastic. And it has a, a parable like feeling to it. 100%. You know, it, it's not just like, oh, it's a, you know, a story. It's like a heist movie. No, no. This is about like 
just emptiness, like <laughs> empty, soulful, you know, empty souls. And at the end, they just walk away off Andy, into the night. You got to not give a fuck if you live or die. You got to get to where you're going. Nothing means nothing. Yeah. Yeah. He says that. Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. That that is like his his I call it prison Zen. I feel like that's what he was doing. I feel like he could have created a, re a religion on that. On yeah. just yeah. his, or at least like a like a feel good coffee table book. Well, it is, and that is that that is Zen. That mm -hmm. is that's like a, that's like a you know Zen is fuck it. You know, is I don't give a fuck. That's just, that's a a rugged way to to say let the universe flow through me or whatever. Yeah, I mean, so I just saw. I can't remember who it was. I just saw that that told me that they were talking to a friend of theirs who had been a guest on the Conan show. Ah, oh, making me mad. I'm not remembering who it was, but they said it was a friend of theirs had said uh, that after a segment, when they were on, they asked me, how, how do you think that went? How did, how did I do? Was it, was it good? Do you think? And I, and I said, Oh, none of it matters. None of, <laughs> none of this matters. And and they kind of laughed about it. And they and I think it was somebody he said it was maybe Justin Long. It's gonna oh. um, it's gonna bug me now that I can't think of who it was. And they said it on the Seth, I think on the Seth Meyer show. I don't I don't know exactly, but like imparted that. And like it's kind of it makes me feel like, oh, do I come up like a dick? But I kind of like, no, that's that's Buddhism right there, baby. That's yeah. like it's a fucking talk show. Yeah, it doesn't matter. None of yeah. this matters, you know. It's if you could remember that, it's so I still remember. So I was a I was a fourth grade teacher for 15 years, and I I do st I'm a stand up comedian. And after 15 years, I got my first TV writing job for just a, a small show, but I thought it was the biggest deal in the world. And I was just a a just a ball of nerves for two, for my first two weeks. And then I had to go to my very scary boss and ask him if he thought I was doing an okay job. <laughs> so I could quit my 15 year teaching career and just say goodbye to it. <laughs> or should I just go back? No hard feelings. I'll go back and keep my pension and all that. And I, I couldn't sleep the night before. And I was just, I can't believe I'm having this conversation. This is my entire life is going to be his answer. And I said, and I said to him, I said, so do you think, uh, do you think I'm doing okay? I have to tell my school if I'm coming back or not. Like, am I, am I okay here? Like, is that, and he just looks at me for a while and he just goes, I don't see any red flags and then walks away. And that was it. <laughs> and I was like, that wasn't the biggest okay. of confidence in the world. Uh, All right. No problem. I, okay. I guess none of this matters. It's going to go finish my panic attack. <laughs> yes. Just it it didn't help. It did not help. I didn't even give our let's, I think our, our audience will know what we're talking about now, guys, we're talking about thief, a 1981 American neo-noir heist action thriller. Wow. Heist. Action, action thriller. thriller directed by michael mann in his feature film debut holy crikey that's oh, his debut. debut yeah wow. i didn't even i didn't even realize that i when it was just after watching the, this last time i i saw that i saw oh that was his debut jesus christ that's, that's amazing. really a masterful debut you know there's Miami Vice. You know? mm -hmm. I mean, there's, you know, there's other things he did, but people really love Heat and Heat is a really good movie, but Heat has tons of excess in it. Yep. Heat has, Heat has a guy that can kind of do whatever he wants and it's kind of indulgent. Whereas I feel like Thief, he probably was just tighter, just had to be tighter because 
it was his first time at bat. And so he probably just had to keep it super lean. And, and he really does. Yeah, there's not a put- wasted scene at all. It's like very no. economical. And it's yeah. like, the, like you said, in Heat, there'd be just be extraneous scenes of character building. Like, yeah, we get it. We know here, yeah. every f- single scene where they have him doing something as simple as ordering coffee or the way he orders coffee, the way he talks to people, every scene builds that character element so quickly. By like fourth of the movie in, I was so bought in and so terrified of him. I I had empathy. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I'm just full on terrified because once you have empathy, they show you him strong arming Tuesday well out of the bar. Then they show him like act as like the racist person he is. And then you're just like, I always thought of him when, when I first saw him as Fonzie, but like the terrifying Fonzie, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. You're just like, yeah. it's Fonzie with like the edge you do not want to mess around with. Yeah, yeah. He, I also just, I mean, because in getting ready for this, remembering just the different things I've heard about that movie. And I, you know, I worked with James Kahn on Elf and I, I don't think I asked him about this, but I remember he, seeing something once about that gray leather jacket that he wears oh, the ranger, in, that, yes. in that movie. I read it was an interview with the costumer who said there were like 30 versions of that. And that James Kahn <laughs> was like so insistent on getting that jacket right and it had to be perfect and they had to keep doing it and doing it again. That jacket is pretty damn important and to me, I also think when James Kahn was in Rollerball and he saw himself in shoulder pads, he probably mm-hmm. was like, hey, that, that looks pretty good on me. Like, <laughs> like shoulder pads don't look bad on me. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to keep that up. But he, I mean, he has, even when he plays Sonny, it, it, he has shoulders that look like, uh, yeah. They, it looks they like he's a, a wire hanger. They, like, yeah, it looks they like go straight across his neck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's like another just little intimidating fact about him. Just the way he carries himself. It looks like he's always ready to throw a quick punch. Yeah. Yeah, the film, it stars James Kahn, title role as professional safecracker trying to escape his life of crime. And Tuesday Weld, as his wife, listen to this, guys. Supporting cast includes James Belushi, Robert Propsky, Dennis Farina, and Willie Nelson, the original music score was composed by the German synth band Tangerine Dream, and believe it or not, produced by Jerry Bruckheimer. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, actually William William Peterson is in a little role as a as a bartender, and he was just like a Chicago Steppenwolf actor at that time. Yeah, he he made the mistake of thinking he could, you know, break up the like uh, the little between Tuesday Well and Frank. Right, right. He had a little bar towel on his thing, and he's like, yeah. hey. Didn't he have a little up. baseball bat or something? That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. It'd be cool if he had, like, you know, the, the bats they used to give you at, like, Yankee games when you were a kid? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Souvenir bats? Right. Yeah, but those will crack. Those will break. You just, you need to, sh- you need to cut off a real bat. Andy, That's I got to really ask hurt. you, this movie, like, we ask all our guests why the movie is important. I believe you told us that, but we like them to set the scene. Do you remember where exactly you were when you first saw it? Yeah, I saw it in the theater. I mean, I would have been like, I guess, like a sophomore in high school at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, I, w- I lived in Yorkville, Illinois. There was no, there, we barely had plays at school. I mean, we had the dumbest school plays. And I even at one point complained to the guy that sort of, because it was, 
one teacher directed in the spring and one teacher directed in the fall. And one of them was uh, superior to the other in terms of just the, I, it, there wasn't a drama department. There was just spring play and fall play and no classes, no theater classes. Um, but I asked like, because they were just like, one of them there was called, it was uh, the fall play. So it hit around Halloween time. It was called Boys and Ghouls Together. <laughs> and it was like a like a reject Martin and Lewis script, like a script mm -hmm. that was too stupid for Martin and Lewis, just the dumbest. And I asked, like, why don't you do something better? Like, how about our town or, you know, just like yeah. one of the classic kind of. Sure. And he said, well, we tried doing that, but the audiences drifted and uh, the parents just seemed to like it, the more simple sort of lighter stuff. <laughs> You know, which was the beginning of like, ugh, you know, I, I stopped doing those plays because I, I didn't get a part in, I, I mean, and I knew I was a pretty good actor and I didn't get a part in one play and it was, and it was, and I was told, well, the previous director of, you know, the director of the, whatever the spring play, if this was the fall play told me that uh, you and this other, uh, like a girl that was fun. Like we weren't like dating or anything, but she just was fun and we had fun because it's fucking theater. Right. Sure. And that's what you're there for. Yeah, fun. why not have a little fun? Yeah, that we were disruptive influences backstage, meaning yeah. we had fun. Good fun. Yeah. And so he, there was this role that I should have had and he gave it to somebody else. And I went in and said, hey, why didn't, you know, and I not, you know, I, I just was like, come on, I should have had that. And he goes, and he said, you are by far the most talented natural actor I've ever seen in all the years I've been doing this. But I gave it to that guy to teach you a lesson to like, Ooh. and I said, okay, I don't want to be in the play. And then like whatever other role he gave me, I just said, fuck it. I'm not going to do it. And then wasn't in any more plays uh, because, you know, I mean, not like I'm some huge rebel. I was fucking terrified of getting in trouble, but I at least was like, <laughs> I'm not going to stay in this system of this dumb right. shit if it's going to be like this. But anyway, no, no notion of doing show business. But I saw this. I started to just kind of think about, you know, the Blues Brothers being yeah. such a huge thing and seeing it on the evening news when they closed down Daily Plaza and they had all these cops repel, you know, like stuntmen repelling down City Hall and 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 seeing stories about like all, like just that they had a round the clock body shop repairing cars because they were crashing so many cars <laughs> and thinking this is happening right here like this is all yeah. happening right here this is and and just i don't know something about like just thinking this isn't just there isn't just like james con there's lots of people working on these movies so there has to be work in the movies close by yeah. and mm -hmm. i ended up going to university of illinois for a couple of years because i thought I'd, i wanted to go to a big school where you know get out of a small town go to a big school but i got to the, my sophomore year and was informed i'm not really going to learn film there so i transferred to columbia college in chicago and that's basically what i did i just i worked in film school or i went to film school worked on student films acted in student films got a, 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 a internship with a company that made commercials and then worked freelance and television commercials. And I ended up doing mostly props, you know, but before I started doing improv. Um, 
But I, I heard you talk about your job as a like prop master or assistant prop master. And that sounded like the most strenuous, stressful, like the things like they would just say, hey, go get us this. Yes. And you'd be like, okay, how do I do that? <laughs> yep. Yep. No. And, and, you know, you'd ask, yeah, it would, there would be things like, because especially for smaller jobs, usually on a bigger job, I would be, there would be somebody above me. Like I used to work for a company um, that did uh, special effects props rigging and they, and I met him as a PA and they liked me and they just hired me. And like the first job I had was a series of, it was um, light ice cream. And so there were all these different kind of gags, as they call them, that you had to do. There were like four of them. And they just said to me, there's going to be a shot with the ice cream with four, like or two ice cream scoops or maybe three or four. I don't remember. It was a stack of them. And it's got to float off the cone and look, you know, realistic. Go do it. <laughs> And, and it's, you know, and I'm, I not, kinda, I'm not Chris sorry, Angel here. Right, right. Well, I was kind of like, well, I'm assuming it's fish line. They're like, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, it wasn't like they, you know, were fuck you, just go do it. But I did have to figure it out. And yeah. then like the next job I had to figure out, I had to figure out how to rig appliances to open on their own. Uh, you know, like a, a dishwasher that would just come down, which means you take it apart and you run lines and, you know, and then wow. you pull on lines behind the dishwasher and make it open on its own. But, you know, and you have to kind of do it where there's tension involved so that it doesn't just flop open where it kind of opens with control. Um, but then there were other smaller jobs where they'd be like, uh, you, you know, there was one that was a, I did a, it was a industrial film uh about um it was something for kids and dentistry but i had they're like we're gonna prop out a dentist office go do that you know like oh okay so you get in the, and then there's no internet there's just the yellow pages like dental supply hey do you rent dentist chairs <laughs> stuff yeah we do okay i'll come by and look at some stuff and then you take polaroids and then you know you just it's it was very it made things brought things to ground level of just like oh you you get told how to do something you get told to do something that you don't know how to do and then you just kind of do it you just right. you know yeah. you think like well okay what would be the first step in doing that and it's you know i mean it wasn't surgery you know right. i wasn't like you know but it's still an undertaking fix. yeah yeah it still was kind of and there were you know there were books there were like source books that were for the film industry of different places where you could, you know, like I remember once in the middle of summer having to prop out a, um, a ski lodge and they wanted furniture made out of logs, which, you know, find that in July in Chicago. And it's like, well, I found a place in Wisconsin that makes furniture out of logs. And I drive up there and take pictures and then come back and then have to drive back up and get them. Oh and, you know, God. yeah, it just, you know, but it was fun. It was all problem solving. Yeah. And, and they give you, and also too, when you do props, if you're, if you're acquiring stuff, uh, they just, they give you like five grand cash and then you go out and just get stuff. And it's, so you get this contact high of consumerism, you know, where you're just like, man, I just bought a couch with cash, you know, it's not Andy, my couch, you know, did, but did they give you the cash in an, envelope because part of this movie 
And you see it in a lot of movies when someone just hands someone just a thick wad of cash in an envelope. Like I always have a dream of being in a situation where I could be on the receiving end of an envelope filled with cash and just yeah. like covertly like Jeff. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, what a, it well, what a thrill. It would usually come in a big manila envelope that you, <laughs> that you would then note what note you paid. What and then, yeah. And then you put the receipts you tape the receipts to a page and then, you know, do it all like oh. that. My mom worked in the kitchen business and she uh, did a kitchen for a few different guy, people that that uh, were in uh, Oak Brook in this particular neighborhood that had a lot of successful Italian Americans that didn't necessarily go to school beyond about, you know, sophomore yeah. year. Right. But they were very successful. And like the first and she, you know, she got in good with these guys. And one of them owned a chain of hot dog Italian beef stands and he paid her. He's like, she, it was, I don't know, it was probably 40 grand or something that he paid her in a brown paper bag full of cash. Yes. One of the best Christmases we ever had. <laughs> I wasn't expecting this bike. I was yeah. expecting. It was because it's like, yeah, you yeah. don't have to like that. That job becomes on paper becomes a lot cheaper than it was, oh, right. you know, just in terms of taxes and things like that. Yeah. Andy, this film was budgeted at 5.5 million, brought in only 11.5, adjusted for inflation. I don't have no idea. I don't know how to do that. You would think, you know, that means it's a bomb, but it was critically widespread, critical acclaim. 94% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Roger Ebert said, one of the most intelligent thrillers I've seen, 3.5 out of four stars. I think you might agree with this because I know you're a fan. Uh, he wished Willie Nelson's character was uh, developed. Yeah. What do you say yeah. about that? Yeah, that's that's probably true. It was all very archetypal, too, you know, and it kind of the fact that there's not a lot of like, you don't know a lot about James Caan aside from he they go to adopt a kid and they're turned down and he gives a little rant about being raised in a I was know, a state raised kid. Yeah, I was yeah. a state raised kid. So you get that. But other than that, you're just looking at James Caan be James Caan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the same way there's some there's some actors that are more movie like Russell Crowe and Master and Commander. Like you you see him on screen for 20 seconds and you're like, oh, that's the captain. That's <laughs> that guy. Do what he says, you know, and and James Caan in this movie is the same way. You don't know much about him. You know, it's just. But you believe in him. You want you're like that guy right there, that guy. Follow him. So I don't know. I don't think it was really necessary. I think, first of all, you know, Willie Nelson plays that role so well. He's an untrained actor. I I don't think he even I don't even know, like. He was in some he was in some lighthearted roles where he played, you know, the redheaded stranger Stranger. yeah barbarossa yeah or but even he was in like there was i think a movie called like on the road again oh yeah Uh, you know and so he didn't really play character roles Mm -hmm. but he played it so well and i probably gave him you know kept it limited you don't want to it's true just stress the guy out Yeah. yeah but he does you know he does deliver a line that i still think about that i'm gonna probably get somewhat wrong but he it's something along the lines of don't lie. You know, if you care about the person, the lie's going to fuck it up. And if you don't care about them, fuck it. Who are, who are they? 
you know, who are, yeah. who are they that you got to lie to them? And that's, wow. you know, that's pretty good. That's pretty point pointed philosophy, you know? Guess how old James Conn was in this movie. I'm always fascinated because, you know, as a kid, you watch this and you're just like James Conn's at like that age. And he's, mm -hmm. you know, and then you watch as an adult. It's like, what would you get? Venture, I guess. When you say, you say this is 81. Yep. I'm going to guess he was like almost 40, like 38, something like that. Chip. Yeah, I was going to say 37. Yeah. 41. 41. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then in the ballpark. Yeah. yeah. And Willie was 48. Yeah. Okay. I can't believe Willie was 48 once. No. Willie just always yeah. seems like a 50 and up. Right. Now here is, <laughs> this is something that floored me. This is great. The, the actor who played Leo, who was awesome. His name's Robert Profsky. Yes. This was his first movie. He was 51 years old in this movie. Only 51. I thought he was a little older looking. Yeah. The scene where James Conn says he doesn't want to work for Robert Prosky for Leo, that he gets knocked out. You know, they kill Jim. Bel oh. Spoiler alert. Spoiler. They, kill, yep. they uh, kill Jim Belushi. Oh, and he Barry. says, you're going to come work for me oh. or else, you know, and and but it's it's so great because it's delivered. James Conn's lying on the floor and Robert Prosky with his big old jowly face yeah is looking down oh. and it's just you never see that and it just is so powerful that this guy with this just this baggy old face it's so much more menacing because there's he's like you know too like that's an actor divorcing himself from his vanity Oh, because yeah. try looking at a certain age, <laughs> try looking down in a mirror, put a mirror flat on the table and look down into it. It's not pretty. Yeah. Oh, so no. I'm sure that he was not thrilled with having to deliver the line that way, but it made that character say, yeah, here, here you go. Here's me ugly. A lot of times now my wife and I'll be watching something and I'll see an old guy in a movie and I'll be, and I'll just say something like, well, you know, the old guy who was saying that she goes, old guy huh i bet he's younger than you i'm like shut up and she's like no, yeah let me yeah, yeah. let me look up next thing you know she's on imdb how old do you think he is and like robert prosky he's like 51 i'm like son of a God. yeah no that that's, that's you gotta you gotta oh. stop that it's like the one the one it's a meme now where they show like the cast of mary tyler moore in the second yes. year and they're all like 36 <laughs> years old right. or something yeah. it's when just you, you know and i well a lot of it is cigarettes Yes. It's fucking <laughs> cigarettes and, and liquor like, you yes. know, cigarettes makes like you would never have had a Jerry Orbach without cigarettes. Yes. You know that yeah. that face is because of cigarette. Robert Prosky's face is probably because yeah. of cigarettes, you yeah. know, Ed Asner. It's like Ed Asner, 37. You're like, no, yeah. never 37. Mm -mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, John, John Hamm in Mad Men would not look like John Hamm in Mad Men. <laughs> no. no, he would not. No. He would not. He'd look like Jerry Reed. <laughs> we throw in a few tidbits uh, whenever we talk about a movie, Andy, and we try to pull out some interesting things. James Caan said this next to The Godfather, this was his favorite film that he did. And he was most proud of the monologue in the diner. Yeah. Uh, which was amazing. Like that right there, like another economical scene where they're just like, we want to know about this guy, but we're just going to give you just enough to be mm -hmm. like, we know where he's coming from. And for you to be very afraid of him and not yeah. to double cross him. And I tried to figure this out because I, I watched this for the first time. I, I knew I was aware of the movie, but it was my first time watching it last week. Was that their first date or had they yes. been dating for a short time? No, 
That was their they first date. Merely been flirting with each other. Yeah. Right. Uh, so he sees and, her in the restaurant. Yeah. In in noir fashion, they're both people that they vibe with each other. They say four words to each other. Hello, goodbye every day. And they both can sense that the other one is shape. That is right. living on the fringe. And like she <laughs> yeah. says, I did time in a South American prison. Yes. Like, and I'm sure that like, if she hadn't done that, James Kahn would not have vibed with her, you know, yeah. or, you know, the, his character. Uh, That's so, a great Tinder profile right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did some time in a South American prison, prison so yeah. that, you know, they're down to earth. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> they're ready for anything. Sure. But yeah, but then, but that's, I mean, that's, again, that's like, along the same things of like, he's stealing this. They're both stealing this. Mm -hmm. They're saying, let's, you know, uh, let's start with a big fucking romance or whatever he says, you know, like, yeah. like, hey, how about you and me? We just start, you know, like we're married. How about that? Okay. Yeah. You know, like, cause they don't know how to earn things. Like he showed said, up he just... two hours late. Yep. He, he strong armed her into the, into the car. Punched yeah. a guy in front of her. Punched a guy and then uh, screamed at her in a diner. And it was just- right. It, it worked perfect. And she, yeah, yeah. The next scene, they should have, I'm no Michael Mann, but they just should have shown her going, he's the one. <laughs> right. Right. Like just to give it a little. She's just like dreamy, you know, like. Yeah. He really cares. <laughs> she's like slowly walking into the Brady house, like Marsha Brady after she's smitten, carrying <laughs> her books. That where they go to, to uh, you know, to have their, their coffee or their meal. Howard Johnson's. Is this, yeah, it's a Howard Johnson's, but oh. it's a very particular an oasis, Howard Johnson's, what they Ooh. call, and they're on. I think they're on the uh, on the tri-state, and it's a it is a basically a restaurant in a bridge that oh goes God. across the highway, and it's they started out as sit-down restaurants and ha as Howard Johnson's, and now they're like combination McDonald's, Pizza Huts, mm -hmm. but yeah, you used to be able to go in and sit down at a booth and have like a full meals in a sit down restaurant as you're sitting above both lanes of the highway. Holy crap. So that was like, that was like really evocative too. You know, like that, seeing that nowadays too. It's like we going there as a kid, you know, and having fried clams, you know, and, yeah. and Howard Johnson's sitting above the highway. Yeah, and even like the bar that he owns in the movie, the Green Mill Lounge, is actually a real bar, the Green it's Mill, a right? Gorgeous, gorgeous jazz club, a really beautiful bar, and full of green neon that gives that cast to everything in in the place. Um, yeah, in Uptown, we used to used to go there quite frequently. Uh, awesome. It's a beautiful old tavern. Yeah, this is very cool. Um, James Kahn made sure to speak slowly and clearly and tried to avoid using contractions. Yes. That's crazy. I'm like, oh, I, I could kind of see that. And they said it was because like his thief, like uh, whatever you call him, you know, bad guy mentality. When you're, you don't want to have to mess up a word. You never want to repeat yourself. So yeah. when you're giving someone a very explicit directions, like, you know, meet me here at six, you just want to make sure everything's exactly right yeah that's pretty cool i'm gonna do yeah. that from now on guys yeah For the yeah. rest of this podcast if you catch me using a contraction call me out on it <laughs> we'll do that well that's a very um you know uh what's his name uh the guys and dolls uh damon runyon oh, wow. damon runyon that's a very that's an old thing that all of his characters 
they would all talk without any contractions whatsoever because they cannot use them. You know, like it's a very, it's a, it's something that they had that for some reason, I don't know if that was something <laughs> that came from the streets, but it makes it, they make them sound like gangsters when they don't use contractions. The crazy part of, and to give this movie more like Chicago authenticity, the characters Khan borrowed the persona of jewel thief, John Santucci, who was a criminal Chicago they end up casting this guy, John Santucci, in the movie. He's the police officer, Urizi, mm-hmm. that, you know, really? beating the crap out of him. And then Frank's calling him all these, you know, first a Puerto Rican expletive, then an Italian yeah, yeah. expletive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, so they get that. And then they get, um, what's his name? Dennis Farina to play a mobster who was a Chicago policeman at the time. Mm-hmm. So it's just like That's filling your, your movie with true chicagoans a lot of those cops apparently were cops yeah. were chicago cops he just because you can't fake that accent you know like that's just like i used to hate it but now it's yeah. like i i played in a the actor matt walsh is a friend of mine and he had a has a golf tournament that he, his family business they had used to have in chicago he took it over from his dad and now has it out here but a lot of chicagoans come out and i played with I don't know, like a cousin or something and his son. And and so we're just, I was playing with this guy to talk all day about like, I think my ball went up over there and it just, it's just like music to me. I feel like, like, Oh, your ball went up over there. Is like, I honestly was not aware of the Chicago. Like I knew the movies in Chicago. I was totally understanding all that, but it only hit me when the cops started talking to him. And then after you Rizzi, when the main cop starts going, why are you being so, why can't you just get in line with like this, a Chicago accent? I'm like, this scene is the most Chicago accent I've ever seen in a movie. Mm-hmm. And I love it. Are there any other movies, Andy, that are like, not necessarily kind of went overt with the Chicago accent, but that's just who the actors were. Like, are there any other? There, you know, there's a lot of a lot of Chicago people in John Hughes movies. Like, Okay, there we go. And in fact, I think he's in Thief. The actor, remember in uh, Home Alone, that the he takes a clip like I'll shoot you down your dirty dog you know oh, and right. then he's yeah, got yeah. like the machine gun mm-hmm. that actor that guy is a Chicagoan and in fact I, he may I don't remember his name but he may have been a cop or something or a bus driver <laughs> or something like that you know he but that guy is you know you you hear that voice in John Hughes movies that you know you hear it so there's there's always some kind of Chicago accent. Dan Aykroyd does a oh, lot of Chicago, mm-hmm. you know, Blues Brothers. There's a lot of Chicago accents. Now um, imagine if John Hughes was like, it's weird that like it took a serious thriller movie to inspire you to get into acting, to think about it. Like, and a few years later, all these John Hughes movies based in Chicago. Imagine if you were like a little younger and being like, oh my God all the great movies are made in Chicago. You know what I mean? Like where you're yeah. like just grasping for one 10 years later. It's like, yes. Five of no, my they, favorite comedies are, you know, Chicago there was, based. there was a, there was a big heyday that started with blues brothers and the Chicago film office was, you know, it's, it's all about money. They offered like big tax breaks, you know, right. big tax incentives. Uh, and they were doing that for a while uh, and then I think that a, a later 
uh, administration sort of cut back on those, which sort of slowed things in Chicago. But also, too, it's cyclical. They, you know, mm-hmm. Hollywood gets very, very, they're, you know, they're just fickle. They just change their mind. You know, um, the, the, the last big Batman movie, I think, was shot in Chicago a bunch. Okay. There's uh, so many Batman movies. The yeah. Batman. I, I the think Batman. there's a lot of they, because Chicago is a very noir city. Yeah. You got that river right in the middle. You got all those big iron bridges. Mm-hmm. You have you the know? elevated trains. Whenever they show cool yes. chase scenes, yes. that's yes. always that's yeah, that, one that of my really favorite. Is. That's like I'm yeah. not the biggest like can figure out, hey, this location, this location, but I always know like, oh, Chicago, because they're right. going yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, one of Steve McQueen's last big movies was there was a chase on top of an L train. I mean, Steve McQueen chasing somebody on top of an L train. I can't remember. Hunter, I think is maybe the name. Oh. Of it. But I think that's also the one where they cra- They drove a car off of Marina Towers into the river. Nice. You know, those, those twin towers that kind of look like, you know, corn cobs. They're sort right. of, you know. Yeah, yeah. And they, um, that, that, and I, I mean, I distinctly remember that on the news. That was a bit, you know, that was on every news channel. Like they drove a car off the, marina towers today you know and he's like i want to be a stunt <laughs> i want yeah <laughs> i want to do that no it's i mean listen when you're working and there's a day where you blow something up it's it's a good day at work <laughs> yeah but and by the way i this this movie is so economical and it hits right to it but at the same time it also takes its time where in the best way where it needs to where and I think you don't see this anymore in a lot of movies where they just want to cut, cut, cut so quickly where they take their time. He's working on that safe for the first five minutes of the movie, you know, and it's just taking mm-hmm. time. It's very plotting. But even just little scenes where he's, you know, walking to his I would literally watch two hours of just surveillance footage of his used car dealership <laughs> like that, that would be a good yeah, movie. Yeah. like I, it just it's so soothing to me. And I feel yeah. like a lot yeah. of modern movies miss that. Yeah, I was fascinated with his just kind of mundane life. They showed that five minute stretch of him, you know, hey, move this car up here, goes in the office. Hey, give me this phone call. Let me check these bills. Let me sign. It's like, this is just normal crap you have to do. It's like, right, right. Spreadsheet, you know, and it's just like, yeah, if you want to launder your your diamond thief money, you got to do, you know. Yeah, you got to pay your taxes on your bar. You know, yeah. <laughs> you got to, you know, you got to keep, you got to, you know, make sure that they're not pouring heavy. The bartender isn't pouring too Poor heavy. heavy. You know, guys, there were other people considered for the role. Michael Mann originally wanted Jeff Bridges to play Frank, but okay. he was rejected due to the fact that he was young and wasn't experienced enough to play so experienced enough to play a hardened criminal. I agree. Yeah. I think so too. And he's not scary. No. Jeff Bridges does not. I mean, he's formidable, but he's not scary. Whereas James Caan is, can be really scary. Mm -hmm. All right. Here's three others considered for the role. Al Pacino turned down the role due to scheduling conflicts. What do you think about Al Pacino in the role, Andy? Uh, It would have been interesting. It wouldn't, it would have been, um, it would have been interesting. I don't know. I can't say that he wouldn't be, I think, he probably would have overplayed it. Yeah. Maybe. Dare I say. And no. I don't think he's physically imposing enough. Yeah. Like, like Andy, you're a very tall guy and you've worked with uh, James Kahn. He's only five, nine, but he mm-hmm. carries himself so big on mm-hmm. screen. Is that something you notice like being on, you know, the Conan show and having all your guests in stars of shorter stature. Can they carry themselves bigger? Do they, you know what I mean? Or are they just oh, like, 
it's all it's all however the camera shoots them but you know that was i just wa- i was i didn't watch the whole thing because i kind of got it took too long but there's that uh mini series about the making of the godfather that's i think on hulu or something like that um called the offer i think but that was when they you know they want pacino but the studio is like he's too small he's too tiny he's too little like who can believe that there is something about the larger a person gets the less camera friendly they are oh. i think smaller okay. people their their features and the you know the proportion of their features plays on camera and this is all general i mean there's of yeah. course giant handsome people and mm-hmm. you know tiny ugly people um but generally speaking most kind of leading man types are on the smaller side on this you know george clooney is not a big imposing man but he's a beautiful human being who looks fantastic on camera and if he's if he's in a scene with somebody that's six inches taller put him on a fucking box you know like it doesn't matter you know it, it you know but there are people that are like, like Michael J. Fox, you were never going to make anybody think that he was imposing. Right. Like he just has a smallness to him. Um, Elijah Woods, another one, you know. Mm-hmm. Two others, Gene Hackman and Roy Scheider. Chip, you're a big Roy Scheider Jaws fan, big right? Big Jaws fan. I, c- I could see that. He's almost I could the be intimidated to, by. A, to a James Conn. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Roy Scheider would have been good. Gene yeah. Hackman. Um, Gene Hackman's too avuncular for me, no matter what. And I've seen him as Popeye Doyle. Mm-hmm. I've seen him in other movies. He's he's more like I think of him as like a smart, you know, like not yeah. not an id driven guy. Like yeah. I think he would be too. I he would almost be the Leo character, maybe. If Ooh, he was yeah, yes. either one of those guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah either one of those guys. Uh, I think would have been interesting. Would have yeah. been good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Jeff, like, you, not, you know, one. but I mean, it's such a James Con. It's such a James. Yeah, Con. I mean, it it's is so perfect you know. for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, Chip. You said I missed. You one? missed one. Yeah, you sorry. actually missed one. I, I looked it up. Um, a, a 32 year old Jerry Mathers was actually I did uh, not he turned that. it down. <laughs> yeah, so he was he, he wow. had a conflict as well. So. Wow. Yeah. Um, James Con in the 70s, 80s, he had a string of movies. And Andy, I'm just a little bit younger than you, but back when we first got HBO. And our parents would make the mistakes of going out and basically saying, yeah, just watch whatever. Just don't burn the house down, whatever. Mm -hmm. There was a string of movies that we watched and we were too young to watch and they forever messed me up. Like they still stick in my craw as like, I didn't know violence could be that way. I didn't know people could be this way to other people. And the two that stick out for me, Killer Elite was a James Caan movie from like 75, 76 where he's like a CIA agent, like dark ops doing like bad stuff. His partner, right at the beginning of the movie, basically betrays him, shoots him in both elbows and both knees, basically to take him out of the business. Like yeah, that's yeah, how you take. Yeah. And I remember watching, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a good, cool movie. Oh, look, he, these guys are going to be, oh my God. Like I literally froze. And I, my brother's <laughs> is like, this is awesome. And I just spent the rest of the movie like, and then you mentioned earlier, Andy, Rollerball. Rollerball is one of the coolest movies when I was little. And I don't know if it holds up, but it's futuristic, Chip. It's like there's this mm-hmm. sport called Rollerball where it's ultra violent, you know, kind of like the running man of back oh, sure. in the day. Yeah. Little Tron before Tron. And he yeah. has like the coolest sidekick, this guy who's his buddy, and they do the rollerball sport. And there's this one scene where they're playing like the, the best team 
in uh, Japan. And yeah. they grab his buddy and they, they yell to him, they turn around and they just say, hey, and they take off his buddy's helmet. They take their glove as spiked and they just kill him in the middle of the game to show how serious they were. Andy, I was not okay for weeks. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, D, maybe when mom and dad go out, maybe maybe no more HBO. Maybe we could just <laughs> play some cards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tell me movies when you were young that were way too old for you and you paid the price. Can you think of any? Oh, boy. I honestly, I'm trying to think of like. Well, were you guys so hard and you're like, nah, who cares? Yeah, another well, murder. <laughs> I mean, my parents were, in, my mom and my stepdad were incredibly permissive. Yeah. And, uh, you know, because we used, I think my mom, like my mom let my my older brother subscribe to Playboy when he was like 13 or 14. <laughs> Cause she was like, oh, you yeah, know, totally. you know, kids are going to jerk off, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, what, there wasn't like a lot of, you can't see that you can't watch that. So I'm trying to think of, of any that like, I felt really upset me when I was a younger, uh, the only, like I, I, I went once I saw when I was in grade school, I went to see the towering inferno. Okay. And, and just, yes, I think that stressed me out. And yeah. then the sound of the sirens made me actually literally nauseated and i went with friends and i had to like go and call my mom and say come pick me up i can't <laughs> i just and it was but that was also true too i think like that the notion of of just being trapped in a burning skyscraper oh, oh, Jesus. Oh, i don't know the poseidon adventure was like fun compared to some, some <laughs> right. i don't know why you know i mean they both are sort of they're on vacation at least very yeah. stressful yeah it's good point you know? chip good point right, right right exactly well and also everything's upside down and that's kind of fun that's, that is yeah, fun. that's interesting yeah. yeah a building on fire not fun just a building on fire yeah it's just a building on fire and then there's certain those movies that you think are harmless but then go to a place that yeah. you're not. I remember being very young and seeing the uh, Lily Tomlin and the Incredible Shrinking Woman <laughs> that just frightened a five-year-old chip. Chantry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she just dies. You think she dies in the garbage disposal because she's just re and then and then she's in this scientist lab with a gorilla. It was horrifying. We, yeah, yeah. Again, I thought it was a romp, and it was not. You know, I just thought I want Phantasm. I saw Phantasm oh, yeah. as a kid. Oh, yeah. And that was really, you know, yeah. that was that was disturbing. Yeah. But that's a really weird, disturbing movie. Yeah. It's a you, really you strange. That's yeah. like a, you know, a cheap shit horror movie full of all kinds of way, weird, crazy ideas and amazing casting of whoever that guy is. You know, they, their main goal was to mess up young people. Yes. Like it, yes. it wasn't just one scene. They're like, let's have every scene mess up. Yeah, kids who are a little too young to see this. I just saw something online because uh, I um, I was I watched The Northman, the Robert Eggers movie, The mm -hmm. Northman, just last night, in fact. And um, there was as part of a promo because it's on um, Peacock as a promo. It's Robert Eggers uh, shares his favorite movies that are available on Peacock, and one of them was Phantasm. He was oh, like wow. this. He's like, this movie is very upsetting <laughs> and very weird, very you know, upsetting. and for that. Yeah. And for, you know, as weird as Robert Eggers is, it's like, yeah, I can see that. Mm -hmm. One of the things I notice another tidbit from the movies is no matter how cool you were back in the day, you always had to carry change. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Right. They That's just right. show him like in that you know where they're they're smelting ore and making metal and yeah he's going to guy like i need you to build me 
you know, a thing that I can get through this safe. Can I use your phone? He's like, yeah. And they just take their time. He's like, one quarter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like, yep. there were three scenes of him going to pay phone. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like Stop, I could- stopping his, his Eldorado <laughs> and getting out. <laughs> Like that to me made me happy. Like he leaves the house going like, all right, gun, wallet, ring. Yeah. Yeah. Expensive jacket. Oh, I better right. take six quarters. You never know how many phone calls <laughs> a guy like me needs to make. I'm busy. Yeah. Yeah. Guy. Exactly. Exactly. And one other thing that I loved in three scenes, the word goof was used as a something instead of calling someone an asshole. Yeah. When he first goes into the like, the plating place where he's trying to find out, like, you know, I need my money yeah. and the guy's not telling him, tells his two henchmen to sit down. He goes, don't you move, you goof. And then in the scene where he's getting beaten up and interrogated, the chief of police is like, why are you acting like a goof? Yeah. I love that. Like, yeah, goof yeah, yeah. was a, like a word back then. It's somehow more hurtful, I think. Yeah. Somehow. <laughs> so again, yeah. like I said, I'm not using contractions for the rest of the show. Right. Mm-hmm. If either of you two get out of line, I swear to God, call you a goof. A, I'm calling yeah. you a goof. And the right. Chicago accent saying goof made goof. it even more yeah, like yeah. goof. Yeah, yeah. Goof. Oh, yeah, I that's, uh, I remember as a kid too, um, was at a Cubs game. There was, uh, I believe my stepfather punched someone because the word clown, someone was being Ooh. called a clown. <laughs> there was a guy. It was, you know, like standing up and drunk and causing disruption. And somebody behind my stepfather called him a clown. And the guy got so mad and thought my stepfather had done it. And my stepfather punched him. <laughs> Your stepfather is not a clown to be messed with. No. Uh, he, well, no, he just was like, it wasn't me. And then the guy just wouldn't. And the guy, frankly, was a clown. He was a clown. Mm-hmm. He was a clown. He was a, a number one goof. Yeah. But imagine, imagine that, though. You clown. You clown. Like, oh, you motherfucker. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> yes. Uh, a- a- Andy, we're in uh, in Philadelphia, and there there was a, an old police chief and mayor oh. of Philadelphia, Frank Rizzo. Yes, I've heard Who, of okay. him. Okay, so oh. he, he was- I'm familiar. Yeah. Yes. Just the all-time worst. Just, he was getting a, 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 a news, a reporter was approached him on the street as he's walking his dog, asking him about some sort of corruption that he was accused of or whatever. And he just said the worst words in the, he called him a, I think he called, he called him a drunk, I think a lush. And he called him a, a do you know those words, Jeff? Yeah, I, you can say, cause I know it so well. You're a crumbum. You're a That's crumb. what he said. He you're just, a crumbum. Just kept on him. You're a crumbum. You're a lush. Over and over again. Yep, and yeah. It's, oh, it's my favorite yeah. insult of all time. Crumbum. One of my other favorite scenes. Um, this when they're after their their perfect score. When you didn't think they were going to rob that safe, they cut to their on the beach, mm-hmm. and where Michael Mann's just like, you know, have show have a little fun. I want to show a human side of you. When Jim Belushi's Barry goes to chase his wife, he takes her down so hard he yeah, almost he breaks both her legs. Yes. Oh, like. It was all, I mean, it was yeah. horrible, but it's a, yeah. that's a high, that's a high school football player yeah. doing a, a flying yeah. block. Yeah. <laughs> on a woman in the surf. Yeah. Yeah. Andy, you've been on movie sets. You're, you've been starring in them. You worked on them. Like, like there's a fine art of, of stunt work and how to do stunts to make them seem there must've been like just straight up old school stunt guys. Like, yeah, I don't know. Just go tackle her. 
He's like, oh, okay. I'm just going to go. That, that, that actually would be an interesting thing to find out. And because her reaction to is laughter and like that, you know, so I, I don't, I, it, it would be interesting. Like if she was surprised by that, you know, or, or what, cause it's like a real flying body block that yep. he does to her. Just yeah. Knocks her uh, for a loop, which was, you know, maybe it, maybe there was a, uh, a stunt woman took her role. Could Who be. knows? It Could would have be, been, yeah. right. you know, they knew whoever it was, was playing his wife might've just been a stunt woman. Yeah, stunt lady. That's her stunt woman. Cause she's going to get taken out at the beach. Now, Andy, we do a lot of uh, research in these movies, as you can tell. We like to be well versed in what we're talking about. We're not some crappy podcast. It's just like, I know. Hey, movies. It's right? obvious. It's obvious. Chip, what was the tagline of this movie? Do you do you recall? Yes, the tagline, or at least one of them, was this might be the only thing I I didn't love about this movie. It was the tagline. Okay. It was tonight his take home pay is four hundred ten thousand dollars. Dot dot dot. Tax free. <laughs> It's it's he's the toughest man in the world. This is a, a noir film and they're just bringing paperwork into it. It's like it yeah. should be like he's working for the IRA, his right, Roth right. IRA. Yeah, like it's, it's just I actually yeah. wrote I, I actually wrote just a, just a handful of, I think, better taglines that would have made this movie. Just put this movie over the edge. And Andy, if any of your connections, you can get these to Michael Mann in case yeah. they do a re-release of like <laughs> these a are. Criterion Silver Edition. I put sure, my heart sure. and soul into these, and I think All these right. really would sell the movie. Maybe a reboot. How about this one? James Gun James Conn steals diamonds and our hearts. Yeah, see. Mm. That's a fun one, right? Yeah. Uh, it came nice. out in 81. I think this one would really work. It's the great Muppet caper without all those goddamn Muppets. <laughs> like I think that, you know, yeah. if you're not looking for on a different type. Right, of right, right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, another one. If you had three jobs, a wife and a kid, you'd be edgy, too. <laughs> kind of works. Uh, oh, right. Right. Two more. Uh, a man with nothing less to lose. And also, for some reason, Jim Belushi. <laughs> <laughs> And then finally, yeah. I think this is the one that I think sells it that I would watch anytime would get anybody in the theaters. Robert Prosky, almost shirtless. <laughs> and I think I think any oh. of those could sell this movie. Yeah, yeah. Write them all down, Chip, and uh, yeah. we'll send them on our way. Okay, good. Andy, I have a question for you. In this yeah. movie, he owns two front businesses, right? He has his you know, diamond stealing business, but he owns a bar and he owns a car dealership. What front would you like to own? This is for both of you guys. So like oh, what what sort of business would you just be able to like to like, you know, like Tony Soprano would own like, you know, one of the strip clubs. You just walk in there, have a little fun, walk out, you know, like. Right. Um, I would think I, I would say a, a, a breakfast restaurant. There you go. Uh, yeah, because you don't have you don't have to work late, you know, mm -hmm. like even and, and also too, once you get it up and running somebody else is running it you know if i'm a, if you're saying like as a front for my other job as yeah. a safe cracker or whatever yeah, yeah breakfast yeah. restaurant yeah Ooh. because and also because that's a lot of cash you got to think about businesses that bring in cash that you can hide a lot of cash in and you know um i mean i don't fully understand money laundering but i imagine a bar and a used car lot are pretty good places yeah to hide money and to like, you know, fake car titles to cars mm -hmm. that, you know, like, you know, you buy a, a wreck car and, you know, mm -hmm. and then just squash it, but then say you sold it to somebody and, you know. Yeah. yeah. Chip. 
uh, Sky Zone, I think. It's just a trampoline park. <laughs> I think that would be the yeah. Like you, you do your business deals, and in behind, like, and it's the scene is like you yeah. with this really serious, like, mm -hmm. this score will net us two million dollars, set us up for life, then we're out. Yeah. And, and behind you are just kids, just kind bouncing, of like bouncing, yeah. just. Jumping. And after hours, though, if you got someone that you got to rough up, you you <laughs> set them loose in it and shoot at them <laughs> just as they're bouncing around. Start bouncing. That's the, the most humiliating way to die. Way to die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Andy, do you like quizzes? I know you're a big fan of game shows. Yes. All right. Well, I don't have a good like game show or a good quiz, but I do have a quiz. Okay. All right. All right, Andy. This is called Alternate Universe James Conn movies. Alter in another universe, these were popular movies, but James Conn starred in them. So okay. I'll throw out one. Chip, I'm going to throw this one basically to you, okay? okay. All right. Newly paroled ex-con and former U.S. Ranger finds himself trapped in a prisoner transport plane when the passenger sees control. What do you think that movie was called? I think that movie was called James Conair. James Conair. Yes. James Conair. Yes. Okay. Right. So, oh, okay, that's the template. I get like, it. Yeah. Andy, I can't tell you how angry we've made so many guests with this stupid type quiz. Where they right. were like Aaron Whitehead, we just had on, and we got three deep before she realized these were all fake movies. And she goes, You motherfuckers, I love quizzes and I <laughs> so love <angry>. puns. <laughs> and if I knew, I would have done so much better to you guys. And, we're, and then she eventually had fun. She's right. She's right. She's I, right. I, yes, I used eight, like, Yeah, when, when, uh, a game show disrespects the game, yeah. I'm always like, Nope, I'm out. Yeah. I'm That's out. why now we're more upfront about the, the dumbness that we're about to. Andy, an ex-prize fighter who could have been a contender turned New Jersey longshoreman struggles to stand up to his corrupt union boss, including his older brother, as he starts to connect with the grieving sister of one of the syndicate's victims. This guy could have been, could have been a contender. Con the waterfront. Yeah, James Con the waterfront. Oh, okay. James, all right. okay. Yeah, Andy, James show him Con some respect. Show the actor right, some all respect. All right, all right, all right. Sure. Chip, San Diego. Oh boy, this is bad. San Diego's top-rated newsman in the male-dominated broadcasting news of the 1970s. It's all about to change for him and his cronies when an ambitious woman is hired as a news anchor. Uh, would that be? Anchorman, the legend of James Con Burgundy. 100%. Wow. Got it. That's, that's good. And these, we, Chip and I had no prior whatsoever. No prior this knowledge. is Chip, because usually I understand. I, I like to trip up Chip as much as possible. He really does. I understand. No, I, I, I trust your integrity 100%. Thank you, Andy. Thank, Thank you. Thank you very sure. much. Uh, a retired master car thief, Andy, must come back to the industry and steal 50 cars with his crew in this one night to save his brother's life. Oh, I forget the name of this one. Wait, let me think. Um, oh. It's John Travolta in the original, in the alternate, the other universe. Oh, I don't, I don't know. Okay. Chip. I was going to say James Conn in 60 seconds. That's 100% correct. Oh, okay. it's oh, is it really? It's James yeah, Conn yeah. in 60 seconds. Okay. Yes. Wait, John Travolta was in that movie? Yeah. You see, many people thought this was like part of the- I thought uh, Nicolas Cage was- Oh, that's who I meant. Yeah, I get them mixed up. I'm sorry. Okay. Face, oh. face, face off. Oh, you got yeah, it right. Yeah, see, off. that's what I was going to say. See, I knew yeah, it was, see, I, I knew it was a Nick Cage movie. Because he did not, oh. yes, he was thinking- yeah. you, you, don't, yes. you, you don't get it points off for that one. And that means, And that means two of these were Nick Cage movies. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. Andy, James this Conner one. And James yeah, Conner and James. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, Andy, this Hayao uh, Miyazaki classic animated film features a five-year-old boy who develops a relationship with the title character, a young goldfish princess. James who- Conyo. <laughs> I knew the Ed. Yeah, I mean, come on. Andy, you know, you have done voices for Miyazaki movies. I did one. Return yeah. of the Cat? Return of the Cat. Yes, I, I, for, yeah, I'm like the first cat that makes contact with it you sort of like an obsequious uh yes you are very fawning you are a very fawning cat it is one of my family's favorite movies and you're one of the favorite characters in that movie. oh good 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 yeah no that was actually kind of before i even i was even very much aware of of studio ghibli movies and i like i'd heard of spirited away and I think it had won the Oscar at that point. Yeah. Maybe it was just about to. And, and somebody's like, oh, they want you to do it. Because there was a previous English dub. And then it was bought by one of the studios. And they did a redo of it. And and so I was like, oh, OK. you know. And then later, especially as my kids got older, uh, you know, we just became obsessed with them. Yeah, uh, and they're just so beautiful. And yeah, so I—that's like one of the one of the things that I'm very, um, very happy and proud that I got to be a part of at least one of those. Oh, that was awesome! That's, yeah, that's yeah. great. Chip, this is uh, after narrowly escaping a bizarre accident. A troubled teenager is plagued by visions of a man in a large rabbit suit who manipulates him to commit a series of crimes. Uh, uh. James Connie Darko. Thank you. Very good. I'm glad you Connie Darko. Okay. I just want to make yes. sure you get it exactly right. Yes. This is important. Like, I don't like people like getting half answers. This is, you know, like Andy, you've been on game shows. Andy, is it true? Are you still the highest winning celebrity ever to be on Jeopardy? I believe I am. I was, I was, uh, I was, it was reported that I was, from the first time I went on in the nineties, but I was actually third to, uh, I believe his name's Charles O'Shaughnessy. He was the English guy in the nanny. Mm-hmm. And then, and then took, as a callback, Jerry Orbach. Nice. Uh, it was like they, we were one, two, three, but only with like 10 bucks in between us. And then I was, I was back on in 2009, I believe. And then I, uh, but that's what like they doubled the dollar amounts too. Yeah. So it's like, but I, but yeah, I did. I, I think you destroyed Wolf Blitzer in one episode. I did. You I just did. humiliated. I don't think it was ever- just, it was the only one. It was like me and, and Dana Delaney and, uh, and, and Wolf Blitzer. And he did not do well. And um, people uh, congratulate me for humiliating him. <laughs> but I do not, I take no pleasure in humiliating you. Sure you don't? I, I really, read, truly don't. I, read I mean, your I don't. Bio and it actually said <laughs> your goals in life were to star in a TV series, star in a movie, humiliate Wolf, Wolf Blitzer uh, in a public yeah. forum. Mm-hmm. I did not. I did not enjoy oh, that. We, I felt. I felt terrible for him. Actually, okay, that's fine. Yeah. I and was just. I was. I was actually on. Like I was on the uh, Celebrity Wheel of Fortune, which was a thrill because I really just. I wanted to spin that fucking wheel my whole <laughs> life. I just want a chance to spin that wheel. What's and, the feel um, of it? Can you tell me what the is feel the of feel? it? That's exactly. it's heavy. It's is it heavy? heavy? Oh, yeah. It's heavy. Okay. Yeah, and now. They, you know, you have like a little plastic. It's like a, 
it's you know it's like a tricycle uh you know handle cover like a little plastic no it's like the handle you know how rubber like the little plastic handle covers Mm -hmm. on a tricycle yeah and you have to use that i think because of covid like you're gonna fucking get covid off the spindles of the big wheel but yeah it's it's hard and it's and it's kind of a reach to get down there um but uh vanilla ice was on and he was like you know because you play practice games and stuff and uh he ended up getting the first puzzle right and i was like oh thank god now i <laughs> just thank god vanilla ice got yeah puzzle right because then because yeah. i was re- i it was really in my mind like oh i hope vanilla ice doesn't just doesn't... completely shit the bed you know right. yeah and just have he doesn't every... need that you no. know he's he's got homes to flip on that's right right he doesn't that's right he doesn't need that that's headache. right yeah you know, yeah andy growing up i mean Wheel of Fortune, the greatest part, Chip. You're a little young; you might not remember. But oh, Wheel Wheel of Fortune, you would win, and then you would go shopping. Oh, you'd get a yes. ceramic domination. Yeah, yeah. like oh, that yes, was exactly that yeah. was incredibly fun. I mean, it it cut the showtime in half. Like there were only mm-hmm. half of the amount of puzzles, but just that little inset of the people looking and them just going over. As a kid, I just remember like this would be the greatest thing in the world Amazing. to be able to shop like five thousand mm-hmm. dollars and then yeah, andy yeah. the one question at the end they're like all right you got 130 dollars left there's nothing left to buy you have your choice of putting that uh on a gift certificate or moving it to the your, your account chip that meant that you could bet on yourself yeah put mm-hmm. that money and bring it into the next and win or uh or a oneida silversmith gift certificate or something like that right, right? yeah oh they need more of that. They need, I like to see people shopping. Yeah. We talked, we, yeah, we talked about that and they just like, I, when I was on there, I was like, man, I used to love that part. And they were like, yeah, that, yeah, no, that was not good. <laughs> that was not good. <laughs> Ate it up a lot of airtime. It took so yeah. long. Yeah. Yeah. It's it just, really yeah. <laughs> Two more guys. It, you thought you were safe. You thought you were oh, safe from this. Dump. No, no, no. All right. Guys. Oh, oh, all right, all right, all right, right. Andy. The adventures of high school and junior high students on the last day of school in May, 1976 movie starring uh, Jason London, Ben Affleck, Mila Jovovich, Cole Howard, Parker Posey, Adam Goldberg. Is this me? Yeah, it's you. Oh, well, that's uh, Dazed and James Confused. Yes. Very good. Yeah. Andy, I don't want to say I'm not putting you up against any of our other guests, but you are humiliating our other Ailing guests them. with yeah. the way they, they you... are just wolf blitzers in the dust. Yeah. They really are. They're all our old guests are wolf blitzers. Well, yeah, you guys probably have a lot of stupid people on this thing. They're you know what? Don't they're great. Think? They're nice. Most of them are very good looking. So they have that going for them. They have other <laughs> yeah. things. Sure. Uh, and part of my part of my language, Andy, but they're a bunch of goofs is what. Whoa, hey, 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 Chip, they have families for Christ's sake. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Goofs and crumb bumps. <laughs> crumb bumps. Chip. Jimmy Khan stars as a small, blue, extremely fast, spiny video game mammal. And with the help of a small town police officer, they battle an evil genius who wants to do experiments on them. Wait, can you say that one more time? I'm sorry. Sure. Jimmy, Jimmy C, of course, James yeah. Conn. Small, blue, extremely fast, spiny video okay. game mammal. Is this, yeah, yeah. J- is this James Connick the hedgehog? Yes, 
That's it. getting bad, guys. This yeah. is what you call the dregs. This is when it's just just really just, just bo- we're, we're I'm just trying bottom. to I just touched bottom right there. So, yeah. Oh, you touched bottom? I just touched bottom. Yeah. That's a good that's a good one. I love it. There's one more. Just one okay. more. This is, right. this is a tough one. I, you got to be a real movie buff. All right. 1994 film where a psychiatrist must cure a young patient who presents himself as Don Juan, the world's greatest lover. I believe it was Johnny Depp. I have no idea. Yeah. Is it is it is it I worked at a video store. Is it James Con Don DeMarco? That's it, 100%. The original oh. movie was Don Juan DeMarco. Don Juan DeMarco. But when, yeah. in this alternate universe, it's James Con Juan, Juan DeMarco. DeMarco. It didn't wow. do well. A lot of people said the, the, the title was a mouthful. Yes, Too much. It, it really is. <laughs> Whoa. And well, it, that, was, that was something. Yeah, it, it, yeah it. It, was, it was long. And uh, not really fulfilling, but we got yeah. it done. I think, you know, I think give us a round of applause for just getting the three of us I getting so. through that. I think you did a great job. There we go. It's like entering a safe of, uh, of questions. Yeah. Andy, yes. of course, you do a, an amazing podcast, The Three Questions with Andy mm-hmm. Richter, you being the host, Andy Richter. We just have a couple questions for you. Not that we're okay. going to rip off your... Do, rip away. Oh, okay, rip off. Okay. Andy, speaking of thief... What sort of heist crew, if you would uh, pick any heist crew, heist crew, what would you be in and what would be your role in the heist crew? What would you like to steal, Andy? Oh, wow. Chip, you too. Think about it. Gosh. Oh, boy. But see, like, what would I be suited for? Or just, you know, ideal, like, even if you could just shoot for the stars. And yeah, I'd like to steal a mega yacht. I'd like to steal nfts like what's something you would really mm, mm, it's gotta I be part of a crew i would be like <laughs> whatever james coco would be like the sort of the sort of like <laughs> yeah you know like the guy behind it that knows the rich people and says hey that house is full of yes art and and you know a coin yep. collection like more like the fence like yeah, the cowardly yeah. fence that sort the of cow- arranges thing but I would, I, I, I would not rat anybody up. Like I go. would, yeah. I would take, I would take a good, take a good beating and, yeah. and not rat anybody. What up. is it called? Omerta? What's the mafia term? Omerta. Omer- you... Omerta. Yeah. Omerta. Omerta. Right. Yeah. There you go. That's good. Silence. Although that's, you know, there's an Italian version, but then there's also just the don't be a rat is sort yeah. of the general underworld, you know, or the, you know, there's the one you tell your kids. No one likes a snitch. Yeah, like, that's, you know, no one likes a snitch. You know, you're holding your your two year old about to go to sleep. You're like, honey, just remember, yeah. no one yeah. likes a snitch. No one likes yeah. a snitch, no you little snitch, rat. Yeah. <laughs> Chip, any uh, any sort of crew you'd like to roll uh, with? Yeah, I think it would be like a bank or something. But I would be the guy who tries to talk everyone out of it at the last minute. Like, guys, I I don't think this is a good idea. We're gonna get caught. And like, I would try to just talk reason into them. <laughs> I'd be too yeah. nervous. Yeah, I'd be too scared. There you go. How Andy, you, what, Jeff, what would you do? Oh, I would probably, um, I'd be like the social media manager of the group. Mm-hmm. Just kind of, yeah, I think it's a good idea. Like <laughs> live tweeting what's happening. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Which would yeah. go, yeah, that's yeah. not smart, but you'd be good at it. Though. I'd be good at it. I want to, I want to stick yeah. to my strengths. Run the sure. gang's Twitter account and just always <laughs> like, we are not a, a, a heist gang. We're just friends that like to talk about gems. Yeah, that's all. Just kind of like, you know, take care of things. Andy, what's your favorite thing to cook at home? Oh, hmm. Hmm. Um, well, it's it's always fun to sort of, uh, you know, do that, uh, you know, whatever's in the fridge, try and make something out of that. That's a, a fun challenge, thing to do. right? Yeah. 
but I usually like um, things like, uh, you know, uh, gumbos, curries, mm-hmm. stew kind of like my daughter will say, like, everything you cook is a stew. <laughs> like, well, yeah. They're, yeah okay. So things that take a, like a long time, but they're like fulfilling. Like, it, yes, it's, it's just not yes. some like, here's a quick you like the whole kind of experience of doing it yeah because uh, no well because there is like like if you uh gumbo that you know you make a roux and then you it's just it there is this it's just an incredibly complex flavor out of something there's also like i'll i also something i like to make is birria which is a a a mexican stewed braised it, it, i mean it can be goat lamb or beef but i usually make beef because that's what my daughter will eat um but it's just basically you boil beef and then um and then with a bunch of rejuvenated dried chilies that you blend up in a in, you know in the blender and it like i say it's just it's boiled beef chilies and then some you know like a couple of bay leaves or something and just it's just so and then because you get the meat and then there's a consomme that forms when you boil the meat too that you dip your tacos in and it's just such an incredibly complicated flavor from boiled meat and peppers you know and chilies right and your kids eat it that's half the battle like if you find one thing that they'll eat you'll be like yes yeah daddy's making this again right yeah yeah they become more sort of health conscious and, uh, you know, there, and I mean, and it, that, that's good. It's good, but, I, but it is sort of, uh, they, they steer clear of red meat. Mm-hmm. So that kind of does cut down. And I mean, and that, like I say, that's good, but there is times when I'll be like, Hey, let's make some pork ribs. And they'll be like, Oh, no, dad. You're like, Go back to Chicago, let's, dad. Let's make fish. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, okay. I'll make fish. Can we fry it? <laughs> you're, you're cutting these deals with like a 14 year old. Just fry some of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Andy, what guests made you laugh the hardest on Conan or your podcast? Like who just, well, I always liked it most when like my friends were on, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which would be like Andy Daly, Will Arnett, <laughs> uh, people like that. Um, but like somebody, you know, like somebody that would like Sarah Silverman is always somebody because she would always be guaranteed to say something uh, that was not only hilarious, but that was like just just jaw droppingly inappropriate, <laughs> you know, and I just and that is just delightful to me. I You're just like just a kid giddy yeah, waiting for yeah, it yeah. to come. Yay! Yeah. You know, like, you know, it, that's that's always uh that was always really fun but um scott thompson at kids in the hall was always really was really awesome to have on uh you know like he was always good um um, but yeah that that, that, those kind of people people that you know no big surprises you know it's not like tony bennett was a riot you know it's (laughs) you know it's like it's really funny people but also too it it was also you know for me my philosophy on that show was that people are watch people are eavesdropping on our evening like yep. this th- this is an evening of conan and me and we're doing a talk show but we're also just kind of we're hanging out for an hour we're having people come out 
we're being funny and, and, you know, having funny conversations with these people and people are eavesdropping. So I always felt like to get the best experience for the viewer, I ought to be having fun. Like I, you know, so I always tried to pursue my own good time and my own, my own laughter and my own enjoyment because that what, you know, then the audience would be coming with me because that's kind of what the whole point of it was anyway. It wasn't like not learning showbiz secrets or being amazed by the comedic technique of people. You're just, you know, most everybody's ready to go to bed and they're just kind of laying there and they just kind of, you know, they want to kind of feel like, yeah, get the vicarious thrill of being in that conversation. You did it incredibly well. It and was- and, oh, that's, and we're, we're, we're both such big fans of the three questions, right? I love the podcast. Oh, thank uh, with, you. With, with Andy Richter. I'm sorry. Yeah, with, with Andy, with Andy Richter. Richter. Three questions <laughs> with Andy Richter, right? I was just about to hit leave the Zoom meeting. Yeah, I understand. Caught but it right. It, at the- <laughs> but it is, you make it such a fun, inter- and it's, you make it an interesting conversation too. It's not crazy, wacky, zany. It's, it's just a fun, uh, really interesting conversation. It reminds me of, and this is what I look for in a good podcast, when you said eavesdropping of when you were like a little kid and your parents had friends over and sent yeah. you to bed and you just want to lay in bed and try to listen through the door. Right, right. They're saying. That's that's what it Or at the top is. of the stairs. Yes. You know, right. Yes. Yeah, just yeah. Looking down. Yeah. 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 But it's, it's yeah, great. Um, it's a, thank you. Yeah. That's podcast. that's always that's like I say, that's always kind of. Within and well, I mean, I kind of do that even if I'm on a movie or something, mm-hmm. I I the. I have I have encountered people, in fact, you know, like one of the, you know, I've been in writers' rooms on sitcoms where I was an actor, but also a writer, and somebody has said, kind of, hey guys, quit screwing around, we gotta write comedy, right? You know, which is sort of like, yeah, like right. I mean, and somebody, you know, somebody does have to do the eat your vegetables of. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, we're all having fun, but sure. we do have a script to finish. Yeah. And there would, <clears throat> like, uh, Jonathan Groff, who was a head writer on the Conan show uh, for much of the time when I was there, uh, <laughs> really, there would be that night where he would, like, we would all be laughing and fucking around and throwing chairs and just gooping. And he would almost like, and he would be laughing and do it too. And be like, please guys, please. <laughs> we have to finish these bits. Right. And then 30 seconds later, you know, like he'd be the one rolling the trash can down the stairs, <laughs> you know, like he would, you know, he couldn't avoid being part of it. But um I've said this before too. Like uh, my, I was trying to make the cameramen laugh too. That was always like when That's I heard awesome. them laugh, and that w- that was when I knew because they've heard me. They've heard it's like when you make your wife laugh. It's like yep. you know, oh, it's so great. Yeah, because she's heard everything, you know, <laughs> or your kids, it. you know. Yeah, it's just like she's heard your all your bullshit, and um, and and. So it's like when the cameraman would laugh, I'd be like, okay, yeah, there we go. That's got it. That's what I want, you know, because the audience is the audience and I'm glad that they're there and everything. But a lot of them are just like, you know, you can see Big Bang Theory or the Conan show. <laughs> oh, wait, no, you can't see Big Bang Theory. They, there's no tickets for that. All right, I guess we'll see this Conan, <laughs> you know. Are your son and daughter a tough crowd for your material when you're working at, when you're just home trying to be the funny guy? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Teens I mean, are, they teens can... are just so like I have two teens and it's, yeah, if like if I get a true laugh out of one of them, I am on cloud nine. 
Yeah. Like, I'm like loving it. Yeah. Yeah. No, my daughter, uh, I mean, it's, and it's, you, I mean, you know, my daughter's 16 and it does change. It varies with oh. ages. And there's some like 13 was terrible. 14 was better. 15 was okay. Now 16, we're coming out of it. But for a while, just in the last year, I, I'm a constant source of embarrassment yeah. and just like, you know, and everything that I do or say yep. is just is uh, gross and embarrassing <laughs> and obvious and stupid. But then I, you know, there are times, you know, riding in a car and, I'll, you know, make up some lyric yes. to a song that yes. has pee or poo in it and yes. show like hat, just the begrudging laughter where she's like, all right, that's pretty good. You know? <laughs> and you're like, I won one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. Yeah, yeah, you're um the three questions with Andy Richter. They always to me, it just sounds like within five minutes, just a conversation between friends. And then when you go deep with some people, it is like good therapy in mm -hmm. a very non-intrusive way. Thank you. Like yeah. you get like you can tell the guests, you always cap you you can cap catch a guest going, Oh, yeah, well, I guess I and then you're like, All right, I'm in. Yeah. No, I, I mean, it's really nice when somebody says like, gosh, I never thought of it. that." Yeah, that's, you know, and yeah. and I've had, uh, you know, it's just nice. And I mean, and that is and it's not coincidental that you say therapy because I've I've been in therapy a long time. And mm -hmm. a lot of what I wanted to do with this podcast was I'm not a therapist, but I understand that language. I I understand thinking about the particulars of your story and the characters in your story and then figuring out why you are the way you are based on those things mm -hmm. and that's always interesting stuff and it's always useful stuff to me yeah. and it and and i just and it's interesting i like talking to people who are, are conversant in that language and who understand that process and who aren't afraid of that process and who are I, I actually I actually just a few days ago made the mistake of reading uh, listener comment or look reading the listener comments oh, of you know, no. reviews. Don't ever do that. And I know I and I mean and uh, they're mo of course you know most of them are are very favorable and it gets nice high ratings and people really appreciate it and like it. But it, you know it's like it's it's a a. a, a common disease among performers that in a, in a in a on stage in a room full of faces of smiling faces there's one sour puss and that's mm -hmm. the only face you can see it's all you see oh. and it's and it's and it's just it's a it's there's something human about it i think it's i think it's because there we tend to gloss over what works wow, you know yeah. we're inquisitive creatures who want to who are problem solvers so yeah. it's like okay the smiling faces okay that that's you know, that's like corn that's been shucked, but there's an ear right. There's an ear right here. That's got a bunch of kernels that are tough to get off and I'm going to fucking get him, you know, and that's, but I was reading the comments and it's, you know, but they were from like a couple of years ago, but there was a lot of like, God, he, he talks about himself. He never shuts up. He doesn't let the guests, which I'm like, oh, come on. I don't never shut up. And I don't, <laughs> I don't keep the, you know, it's like, I, I don't keep the guest from getting an edge, a word in edgewise, but it was, you know, it's definitely something that I thought about and that I, I'm sure you guys, I don't listen to a lot of my podcasts, but I listen to them enough to just kind of do a checkup and like a little sort of like a, 
a, you know, a dipstick kind of yeah. in like, let me just see, am I, am I saying, um, too much? Am I saying, yeah, too much? I was like, cause early on it's, there was just dumb stuff that I would, I would re I would hear myself going. Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, while someone's talking and felt like eh, we know you're there, dumb, dumb, you can <laughs> shut up. Right. Uh, so, you know, learning not to do that. And then also really kind of sometimes tempering it with, with really feeling like, oh, I've talked too much or I've, I've said too much, but you know, the part of why I do that is because I want people to feel comfortable yes. sharing. So if I'm going to share something hundred percent, right. Then right. They, they, you know, they'll, I'm not just going like, you know, why do you hate your dad? <laughs> you know, like, and then, and then like, I'm not going to tell you about my dad. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I, it's, it's a kind of, there's a give and take. And also, like you say, I, I'm in the, I'm in the conversation. Yeah. I, it's, I am in it. I have to be interested in it. I have to be involved in it. And, and it's not just, it's, it's a conversation more than it is meant to be an interview, you know? Yeah, exactly. Well, it's great. Yeah. And thank I hope, you. What are you, four years now? I think something like that. Yeah. 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 I, I, this is our season, you know, whatever the yeah. fuck that means. But yeah, I think it, I think it has been four now. Fantastic. I'm terrible at remembering that though. I mean, I'm always like, is it three? Is it four? I don't know. I well, we've keep, also had two years of, uh, where we don't know exactly what time. Yes. It is yes. Every yes. Single day. It was very strange. Yeah. Are you back? Are you doing any in-persons now? Like I can't even tell. I, uh, I've only done one Henry Winkler. Uh, it was, it's funny because, uh team coco the podcast entity was sold to sirius xm just recently i read about I, that in the trades exactly yes um which i had known about and i kind of had been tipped off about it a little bit like because just you know somebody who knows somebody kind of said because i said something to the effect of like i don't think conan would ever sell it and this person went oh i think he would and i was like oh okay uh but you know, I are uh, the executive producer of the Conan show and, and, and of Conan's, the Conan world, uh, Jeff Ross told me, Hey, we're going to sell to Sirius XM. Don't tell anybody. And I was like, okay. And then like a day later, they're like, you're going to record at Sirius XM studios with Henry Winkler. I was like, wow, that's kind of, um, I think that's a tip off that there <laughs> might be something in the works, you know, cause it's like, yeah, you know, you, Okay, why are we, why are we there? Right. Um, so yeah, we did that in in, but that was largely because he was doing a press day for Barry. Yeah. And and he had done one or two podcast interview things already there, so it was kind of tacked onto the end of his of his press day. Um, and I would like to get back in the studio more. I did, you know, Scott. Ackerman actually it just came out uh episode of comedy bang bang and i went into the studio to do that so it's been very very rare and it, but you know the thing too is it's hard now people got used to being in the house yeah right and so a lot of the guests a lot of them understand that the that there is it is it is kind of there's a benefit to doing it face to face but a lot of people are like wait I can either drive to Hollywood or where, you know, wherever the studio is 
or I can stay home. Um, I think I'm going to stay home, you know, and, and we've grown used to it. So it's, I, I, I like doing them in person. And I think that will be more helpful to do them in person, but I'm just like them. It's like, oh, okay. Did they want to do it in the studio? Oh, it'd be nice to do it in the studio. Oh, they want to. Okay. You mean I have to stay home too? Yeah. All right. I'll stay home. You know, I'll do it from my bedroom. Andy, we end every show with our guests trying to tell a young person why they should watch the movie that we just discussed. They want an elevator pitch. Andy, let's say you have your, your son's friends over your daughter's friends over. They're like, Hey, Mr. Richter, you're a cool guy. Tell us a good movie to see. And you have to sell them on thief. Okay. Well, I mean, you gotta, if you like heist movies, if you like crime movies, I can't, you know, if you're, you're a rom-com person, I can't sell you this, but if you're, if you like heist movies, if you like crime movies, if you like male movie stars being fucking cool and awesome and ass kicking, uh, this is the movie for you. And if you like Chicago voices, uh, saying <laughs> swear words, this is a fantastic movie to or see. Close to square swear words. Yeah, like, goof, like, goof. goof. You know, but Clown. there's you know, yeah, but there's also I'm the last guy you ever want to fuck with. You know, Whoa. there's uh, just nice things like that. I think that's the that's the teaser for the show yeah. right there. Hey guys, yeah. we had Andy Richter on. He's the last, the last guy, guy you ever want to fuck with. <laughs> Andy, thank you so much. This was yeah, great. I am so glad you got us talking about the thief watching the thief and now i'm, I'm like on a james con kick now chip yeah, too absolutely i'm gonna rewatch it tonight i think yeah, yes so much like mother jugs and speed something like that yeah sure yeah <laughs> <laughs> you remember that one i do remember yeah, i remember yeah. all those like freebie and the bean yes like, exactly those, yeah like, like back then they like did a movie action year. comedies yeah yeah they did like a movie a year like if you look at like james Conn's imdb just be like 74 this 75 this 76 yeah 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 he's like yeah. wearing the same shirt and like a couple of the movies <laughs> right right shit. right what the hell right? why not yeah, yeah. there's a goof who cares well who cares thank you andy we appreciate thank it you so, much. so much all right yep. all right bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.